As I've been explaining, uh, these last Sunday mornings, we're not going to resume our series in Mark's Gospel until after the mission. Uh, All I um, have been wanting to do uh, these Sunday mornings is just uh, prepare uh, us for uh, the mission, which is all about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. But uh, in any uh, evangelical church worth its name, Uh, there will be a mission every Sunday when the gospel is declared. And uh, this morning, I want us to consider a well-known passage. We have looked at it in the past. It's the miracle that Jesus Christ performed at the pool of Bethesda. Um, You'll have to forgive my pronunciation. Um, Bethesda is how we say it in Welsh. Uh, There are so many places in Wales named after Uh, Bible locations, um, Bethesda. Uh, This uh, pool uh, is in the northeastern part of Jerusalem uh, by the Sheep Gate. So a few months ago, when you were gathered here for worship on a Sunday morning, I was wandering the old city of Jerusalem trying to find the pool of Bethesda, and I didn't find it. (laughs) But lo and behold, we have found it this morning in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of St. John. And what we have in Bethesda is a lovely picture of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's look first at this place, Bethesda. Do you know what Bethesda means? It means house of mercy. House of Mercy. Isn't that what this church should be? And I believe is. It is a Bethesda. It is a house of mercy. Now, uh, this uh, pool, I think um, uh, it was initially uh, built uh, for the temple, uh, for people to wash themselves uh, before going into the temple. And it was surrounded by five porches, and in those porches uh, people would change. But over uh, the years, it had become instead uh, a gathering place uh, for all sorts of people. Uh, If you look, if you've got a Bible, at verse 3, in these five porches lay a great crowd of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. Again, let me say, what a picture of the world. The church is a house of mercy. The world is a place full of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. And this church is for such people. Indeed, do you feel yourself to belong to one of those categories? You may say to me, Pastor, I can use my two legs or two feet. I can see I, I'm not ill. But spiritually, do you feel yourself to be sick in and of yourself? Blind, lame, and unable to do anything about it? Because if that's the case, this church is the place for you. And if you think you're all right... I think you've come to the wrong place this morning. And what these poor people were doing 
was waiting for something to happen. The pool, at certain times, uh, would, according to tradition, have an angel come upon it, and the water would stir. You don't find this in every Bible. The water would stir, and the first one in, I think that's important, the first one in would be healed. You had to be the first one in. Now imagine your dilemma. If you are lame, how can you be the first one in? You need somebody to carry you. You can't carry yourself, can you? How cruel. It's got to be the first one. No hope after that. And you can imagine, can't you? Once people who are waiting, you can imagine them waiting all day around this pool and they're watching the water, the surface of it. And when they begin to see some ruffling in the surface of the water, you can picture them, can't you? All jostling to get in. The first one in, every man for himself, dog eat dog. Isn't that the world? It's not the church. Are you horrified by me saying this morning that what you are like, what I'm like, is spiritually sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed? Does it horrify you? I'm respectable. I'm religious. I'm living in a nice part of Cardiff. Well, I live on King George V Drive, so that's quite nice as well. But that doesn't mean I'm spiritually all right. Do you know where the Pool of Bethesda is? Even today, in the old city of Jerusalem, according to the maps now, even though I couldn't find the thing, it's in the poorest part of Jerusalem. It's in the Muslim quarter. Um, fascinating area. So if you ever visit the old city of Jerusalem, it's well worth going to. You, you've got the front, as it were, the Via Dolorosa, the road, according to tradition, that Jesus walked to the cross on. And that's where all the tourists are. It's got a nice frontage. Uh, that's where you have religion. But behind that frontage, you've got all this poverty. That's where the Pool of Bethesda is. And isn't that a bit like the world? And isn't that a bit like the church? Behind the veneer, behind the fronts, and we may put on a good front, we're all ultimately just needy souls, aren't we? Just needy people. We talk after the meeting, don't we? We say, how are you? And the person says, okay. That's a good word, isn't it, okay? It can cover all sorts of things. When you say, okay, what do you mean? It, it, it can mean things are going well, but it can also mean things are going badly. We put on a mask. And you know what the worst thing is? This horrible spiritual disease called sin. This is why it's not okay. It's, it's really not okay. Uh, when I was in Christian Union in Aberystwyth, uh, there was a travelling secretary. That's what they used to call them, uh, the student workers. Um, I don't know what the name is now. And everything was brilliant. Everything was brilliant. Now, to a melancholic Welshman, that didn't always ring true. But everything isn't brilliant, is it? 
Maybe things are not brilliant with you coming here this morning. Maybe you've got problems. And even if we haven't got problems, we're living in a country that's certainly not brilliant at this moment in time. And if we ask ourselves, how is it with us spiritually? Uh, that's what one pastor used to ask me. It used to make me really scared. He would ask me, how is your soul? How are things with you and God? Well, even if everything else is brilliant, it's not brilliant, is it, in uh, and of ourselves, between us and God? Oh, can I ask you, how are you this morning spiritually faring? How are you doing in terms of fighting not the forces in the world, but the forces of sin, temptation? How is it going? And when you think of what we're all ultimately faced with, death and standing before God, is that brilliant? Are you ready to meet God? We're all needy. We're all needy. The church is the house of mercy. So here's a picture. Behind the veneer, we're all simply sinners in need of a saviour. And do you know what the good news is? This is the gospel. The gospel means evangel, which means good news. Into Bethesda came the Son of God, Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, the glorious creator, we've been singing about him. He became a man. He grew up. And what kind of places did he go to? Um, have you, maybe I'm speaking to the younger here now, but have you seen on Netflix, which is a streaming service for you who are older, there's a program on the family, uh, the prayer breakfasts in the States uh, that are done every year, and the president and all the great and the good are gathered there. Well, they've been going for decades and they're organized by this group called The Family. And I think they're evangelical Christians, which makes it scary. And these Christians, they believe that it's their God-given mission to hobnob with the great and the good. The presidents and the senators and the congressmen. And through that, to make the gospel spread. I don't think our Savior did that, did he? When do you read of Jesus Christ going to visit Herod? He did visit Herod towards the end, but that's because he was being condemned. When do you read of Jesus Christ hobnobbing with the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? He didn't hobnob with them. He said some pretty harsh words against them. Who do you see Jesus Christ, the spotless Son of God, the God-man? Who do you see him associating with? when he was in this world. The tax collectors and the sinners, the drunkards, the scum of society. And who is he going to see here? A poor man who for 38 years has been paralyzed and he can't even find a friend to take him into the pool when the waters are stirring. 
that who Jesus Christ sets his heart upon wonderful saviour. Isn't he? Do you ever feel, um, I think it was the psalmist who said, in one moment of utter desolation, do you know what he cried? No one cares for my soul. Have you ever felt like that? No one cares for my soul. Tony announced um, lonely people in the notices. Do you feel lonely? Even in the midst of people around you, no one will speak to me about my soul. Listen, here's a friend who cares. One of my favorite hymns, I think we're going to close with it, starts, Jesus, do you know it? Jesus, lover of my soul. If no one else loves you this morning, Jesus Christ is the friend that sticks closer than any brother. No one cares. He does. He left the courts of heaven and he came all the way to a place like Bethesda. You know, even the place in Wales that's called Bethesda. Well, what can one say of it? It's got character. It's near the mountains. But doesn't it fit the description of our saviour? We pray for him to visit us. What do we mean by that? We pray, Jesus, just as you came in the flesh 2,000 years ago, so come by your spirits. Now, when you look at the places that Jesus has visited over the last 2,000 years, do you know what kind of places they are? There are villages in Wales that are backwater places. Those were the places that Jesus visited by his spirit. He hardly visited the capital cities. And in case you think I'm just uh, thinking of Wales, even in England, when you think of the places that Jesus came to. Oh, have you been to Kingswood in Bristol? Kingswood... It was full of miners 200 years ago. They were rough and ready men. And Jesus spoke through George Whitfield, a more powerful evangelist than Roger Carswell. And the miners, when they heard about somebody who cared for their souls, do you know how Whitfield discovered that Jesus was speaking to them? Their black faces with coal soots would have rivers of whites going down where they were crying. They were so glad to hear that there was a friend of sinners. Aren't you glad this morning that this is a house of mercy? We're not here to judge. God is the judge. God has provided a saviour in Jesus Christ. He's going to come back one day as judge. But at the moment, it's a day of grace. It's a house of mercy. And the doors are still open. I know it says, welcome all students, and you are welcome. You're most welcome. I came to know Jesus Christ when I was a student. I want you, if you're a student here and you're still only religious, I want you to know Jesus this morning. But you don't have to be a student to be welcome to Jesus Christ. You're all welcome, from the youngest to the oldest, because Jesus is the friend of sinners, the lover of souls. No one cares for my soul. Not right. Here is one 
who loved this sin-sick world so much that he was willing to leave behind the privileges of communion with his father and come all the way down. And do you know how much he loves people like you and me? He went all the way to the cross and on that cross he remembered us. Uh, there was a man who was crucified next to Jesus Christ. He was a thief, probably worse than a thief. He was a terrorist and he turned to Jesus Christ. He knew that he was condemned, that he couldn't save himself. And he turned to this God man and all he said was, remember me, remember me when you enter paradise. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise because I have remembered you. I've remembered you. I've paid the price for your sins. I've not forgotten you. That's the kind of savior I'm presenting to us this morning. I know of no better job than this. <laughs> Where else in the world can you really find a house of mercy that deals with the soul? Where else in the universe can you find the God-man the lover of our souls. Uh, the children quoted a verse. Did you hear it? All have fallen short of the glory of God. Do you know what that means? It's quite simple. To reach heaven, we need to pass. And do you know what the pass mark is in God's exam? God is perfect. The pass mark is 100%. And what the verse the children were saying means is this. We've all fallen short of that pass mark. It doesn't matter if we've got A grade. How much is that? Is that over 80% or something? Or if we've got under 50%. We've all fallen short. Even if we've kept all of God's commandments and then failed in one point, we have no hope. Listen, I know it's probably breaking the rules. If you've got a friend in school who does your exam paper for you, <laughs> uh, that would bring you into trouble, wouldn't it? But this gospel is about Jesus Christ doing the exam for us and passing with flying colors and saying to us, here it is, I've done this for you. And you know what? It's not just that he's forgiven our sins by dying in our place on the cross. He's still our friend, isn't he? Those of you who are Christians here this morning, even if you've been through a difficult time, you can say, I can say, oh, he hasn't let me down. You know, I'm so glad for what I've been through the last few months. I wouldn't want any of you to go through it, but I'm so glad because without it, I wouldn't have known his presence as much. When through the deep waters I caused thee to go, I will be with thee, especially in those times. Aren't you glad you've got a friend that has stuck with you through thick and thin? Can I just read to him here? It's e old English, but it's good, you know, it's good. Oh, this is what you can say. Oh, thou, Jesus, the contrite sinner's friend. When, when we're gutted because of sin, contrite, who loving 
lovest to the end, unlike other people, on this alone my hopes depend, that thou will plead for me. Am I speaking to somebody here this morning when weary in the Christian race? Far off appears my resting place, and fainting I mistrust thy grace. You feel like throwing in the towel. Then, Saviour, plead for me. When I have erred and gone astray, when you've messed things up, afar from thine and wisdom's way, you've backslidden and see no glimmering guiding ray. Still, Saviour, plead for me. When Satan by my sins made bold strives from thy cross to loose my hold, then with thy pitying arms enfold and plead, oh, plead for me. And when my dying hour draws near, what we all have to face, when my dying hour draws near, darkened with anguish, guilt, and fear, then to my fainting sight appear, pleading in heaven for me. He's pleading. He's pleading. He ever lives to make intercession for us. One last point. Jesus remembers you. Jesus is an all-sufficient saviour. But, and this is a very important but, what Jesus has done won't do you or me any good unless we do something with him. Look at this poor man. Even though Jesus comes to him, that isn't enough, is it? He has to do something with Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong here. We cannot save ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. But we must still have dealings with Jesus Christ. Now, what do I mean by that? Look at the question that Jesus asks him. Verse 6, the end of verse 6. Do you want to be made well? Can I repeat that question to you this morning? Do you want to be saved spiritually? Do, do you want to have a hope of heaven? Let, let's be real here. How deep is your desire? Because you won't be saved unless you really want to be saved. It's obvious, isn't it? If you're more concerned about the things of this life, the passing things of this world, then, okay, you go after those things. But you'll still have to die one day, and you'll still have to face God. And incidentally, all the things of this life won't give your heart true satisfaction. But do you really want to be saved? Is your conscience pricking you this morning? Because you know you're not ready to die. Do you really want to go to heaven. Do you really want Jesus Christ? You've got to be serious about Jesus Christ. We can't play with Jesus Christ. If you want to be saved, things have got to change. Things have got to change. You may have to change certain ways of thinking. You've been living for yourself. You've got to live for him. You may have to get rid of certain things because they go against the word of God. Do you want Jesus Christ? If you do, come. Come to him.
Do you know what I like about this? Every other person around the pool of Bethesda, they needed to get into the water. They needed to get into the water first. They needed somebody else to get into the water. Jesus Christ. He doesn't need to carry this man into the water. Jesus Christ doesn't even need the water of Bethesda. Jesus Christ is our salvation. I, I'm amazed at that. Let me give you this anecdote from my visit to Jerusalem. Uh, I was on a trip, and most of the people on the trip wouldn't be church-going people. They couldn't understand me, being a reverend, why I wasn't really interested in all the holy sites. And, you know, these non-church-going people, they would queue, some of them, for hours in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the place where Jesus was apparently crucified and buried, they would queue for hours just to spend a few moments in the so-called tomb to kiss the ground. What were they expecting to happen to them? Oh, you don't have to go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre to meet Jesus Christ. And even if you queue for a few hours to see the tomb, you're not going to find Jesus Christ there. Why? Because he's risen. <laughs> the angel said that on the first day of the week. They're still trying to find him there. He's in heaven. And he's near you if you just go to him. The word is near you. What does the word of faith say? Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, oh, I'm laboring this point because it's important. You don't even have to come and see the pastor after the Sunday evening service in the vestry in order to come to Jesus Christ. You can come to him now at this moment, sitting in the pew. You, you, you don't have to talk to anybody else. You can do it in the quietness of your heart. He doesn't need to carry this man. He doesn't need the pool. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need Roger Carswell. He doesn't need George Whitfield. He doesn't need anybody. He saves and he alone. And when we come to that place where all we can say is, I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. Eureka. You've done it all for me. And I'm just going to throw myself on you. Hallelujah. That's what it is to be saved. I'm saved. I can't get over the fact. He loved me and gave himself for me. This man, he uh, couldn't get over it, could he? Uh, we finished our reading. Uh, after Jesus had explained to him who it was that had healed him, uh, what did he do? Uh, he couldn't help. He departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Oh, isn't that what we're doing in singing the hymns? We're telling one another that Jesus doeth all things well. Oh, haven't we got something worth telling this city of Cardiff, not just in a mission, but every Sunday, that we have heard the joyful sound that Jesus saves. 
and that the church of Jesus Christ isn't some palace, but it's a house of mercy, a Bethesda for all those who are helpless and hopeless and who can't help themselves. And we have felt the power of Jesus Christ and his blood, and we want you to feel it as well. That's all I'm trying to say. Why not come to him today? May today be a day of mercy. Today thy mercy calls us to wash away our sin, however dark and guilty, however we have been. For his name's sake. Amen.